0: You are Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast on the Houston Rockets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to a new episode of Locked On Rockets, I'm your host, Ben DuBose. The Rockets are coming off a 137-112 to win over the Brooklyn Nets on Sunday evening. They're now in Miami getting ready for their next game against the Heat on Tuesday night. They're on the road, not back to Toyota Center until Wednesday against Milwaukee. So I'm not physically with the team, but one guy who is is Craig Ackerman, the Rockets' lead play-by-play broadcaster for both radio and TV. He's been a frequent guest here on Locked on Rockets, and I'm happy to have him back again. Craig, what's going on? Hey man, thanks for having
1: me. You downgraded significantly from Daryl to, to me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, I I was quite happy to have uh, Daryl join for the first time. I've been nagging him for a while, and well, it was, it, it was funny because I didn't know exactly when he was going to do it, and he kind of called me out of the blue. But whatever, we made it work. He was good. good. So yeah. Anyway. Well, thanks for having me on. As always, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, sure thing. Uh, Rockets, of course, mentioned the one thirty seven one twelve win last night first thing that comes to mind for me is that it's really good to see the Rockets get a blowout win again. It feels like for a lot of January, they've been just sort of trying to survive. You've had the injuries to Beverly and Gordon. You've had the rough schedule. So even the games with the Rockets have kind of been a better team. I'm thinking Charlotte, Orlando, the Knicks you've seen the Rockets not really blowing them out, just trying to kind of survive and advance through this rough patch. And so last night, to me at least, it felt good to see the Rockets, you know, take on an overmatched opponent and put them away relatively early.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely good to see last night as well. But sort of a, a small caveat um, some of those other games that you mentioned. I mean, these are the quote-unquote dog days of the NBA schedule. Sure. Um, in January, um, you know, there have been some extenuating you know, scheduling circumstances, mm-hmm. i.e. another back-to-back in Minnesota, which is difficult. Uh, and then also, you know, I think a lot of a lot of people forget that even even the bad teams in the NBA, I mean, these guys are professionals, too. I mean, just yep. go look a couple of nights ago when the, the Suns beat the Spurs in Mexico City. I mean, it, it happens on occasion, even to the, the best of the best teams. I mean, what the Warriors did last year, obviously, um, being the first team that... You know, to win 73 games was was an aberration. and I know they're on track to win a ton more and get close to 70 if not over again uh, this season. But even even the really good teams from time to time, like last year, Gold State got beat at home by Minnesota, and they were worse last season. Mm -hmm. Uh, It happens. Uh, But, yeah, it was nice to see the the Rockets, especially in the second half, uh, really take care of business. They put that game away and uh, snapped at uh, their first losing streak of the season.
0: Yeah, when I had Daryl on a few days ago, I asked him when he started to buy in, that the Rockets were more than just a pretty good team and potentially an elite team. And one of the things that he pointed to was when they got back from that big road trip, the... 5-0 5-0 and or 4-1, and excuse me, when they had the uh, Golden State and Denver wins, and then they got back home and they had those massive wins over the Lakers, the Kings, a few other blowouts in December when you started to realize it wasn't just the big wins, it was just the consistent margin. So I'm sure there's a nice psychological effect to being able to do that. The other thing that I think is big is that the Rockets are now in yet another one of those brutal five games and seven night stretches this week. So I would think that, as you said, turning it on a little in the second half, James Harden didn't play the last three or four minutes of the game, I would think that's kind of a big deal for the Rockets to, you know, try and survive these next few days with all the uh, tight games in a short period of time. And the
1: fact they had so many additional guys step up last night. I mean, James only had nine points at halftime, and Mm -hmm. six of those nine came, what, the last 90 seconds? Yeah. Um, of the second quarter, I mean, he ended up, you know, with a triple double, but it was great to see all the starters scoring in double figures, and especially Eric Gordon uh, looking like uh, Eric uh, again after missing a couple of games um, with that with that toe sprain. He was he was tremendous, and again, the Rockets did what they needed to do uh, last night, and frankly, should probably do the same thing tomorrow night to the Heat, who were the second worst team in the league record wise.
0: Yeah, the Heat, it's a rebuilding year down there, certainly. The other thing for the Rockets, besides just playing better, it seems like they're getting healthier as well. We'll get to the potential return of Clint Capella in a minute, but to start with, I want to focus on Eric Gordon and Pat Beverly. I noticed last night was the first time since Beverly's return that he wasn't really wearing that heavy tape on the wrist. It seems like Gordon had a little bit more explosion, so... I know you're not in these guys' heads, but does it look like to you that those guys are feeling a little bit better than maybe they were a few days ago?
1: I think. I mean, I think Eric looked um, like his usual sophomore Was mm-hmm. last night, but his first game back was was against Memphis too, and, and their physicality and, True. and defense has something to do with making a lot of guys who are very good offensive players um, look relatively um, average. I mean, his toe was still sore, and um, you know, again, the schedule is not going to allow. Uh, him to get a whole lot of rest. I mean, Pat coming off the, the, the wrist injury was just amazing in a couple of games, and he was in a shooting slump the last five, so it was nice to see him uh, back and playing it again at this time of the year. A lot of guys are banged up. Um, you know, Just to go back to what I said earlier, it's the dog days of the schedule. Um, teams are just trying to get themselves... Um, in the most advantageous position that they possibly can, and going into the All Star break to get a little rest, and then those teams that have a lot to play for coming out of the All Star break usually come out of that uh, rejuvenated, and and then that's when the really good teams in the league make some pretty strong push, uh, pushes, i.e., the San Antonio Spurs close to the All Star break.
0: Sure, and the other good thing for the Rockets, of course, it's not just the guys on the roster now, but they do have the return of Clint Capella. We don't know if it's going to be. News. Yeah, and. I guess they still haven't said yet if it's going to be Tuesday or Wednesday, right?
1: Uh, Not officially. I would be surprised if he doesn't uh, see some time uh, tomorrow, but ultimately we won't know until you know they 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 decide to make that decision uh, officially. But uh, he returned to practice today. Um, Obviously, um, by the initial time frame, he's ahead of schedule, but he passed all of his tests and everything like that. And I know they're anxious to to get him back. I mean, I think that Montrezl Harrell. and then they have certainly held their own. Now, they, 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 you know, Clint brings some things that those two guys mm. uh, don't. Uh, needless to say, he's a better rebounder than both of those guys. He's a better rim protector, which the team, you know, obviously, obviously needs. But, you know, if there's a, a silver lining to, to his injury is that Errol, who was sort of just um, a big player is too strong of a word, uh, but he was more of a situational uh, sub as the third yeah. big. Off the bench when Clint was fully healthy, has been given a ton of time to play, and has really proven himself and will be an integral part of the rotation going forward. So, uh, and I think, again, I think the team has more than held its own since Clint's out, and with his return, it, it can only help.
0: Yeah. And for people that are questioning, well, is he ready? The thing is, it's been the four-week mark since the injury. They put him through the MRI, and it's basically if the bone is healed, and that's what the MRI showed, it's not like there's a re-injury risk. It's more about just letting Clint develop the stamina, get back to his usual playing shape, that sort of thing. Although, of course, we've seen him. He's been running a lot the last couple of weeks, so I don't think he's that out of shape by any stretch of the imagination. The thing I that, imagine they'd probably ease
1: him, ease him back in, but he was only playing around, what, 22, 24
0: minutes yeah. a game anyway. So. Yeah, so it's not like you're asking him to go back and do a 30, 35 minutes per game roll. Yeah, exactly. The other thing that I really look forward to with Clint coming back, the four weeks that he missed, to me by far the most frustrating losses in there, maybe the two most frustrating losses of the entire year, were the home losses to the Spurs and the Grizzlies. And both of those, kind of the common thread to me, was that they were games in the fourth quarter where the Rockets just could not find water from a boat. They were ice cold, didn't really have much of an alternative. And to me, one of the really good things about having Clint back is that his chemistry and that pick and roll with Harden, it gives you one more option in the half court... Where even if the threes aren't falling, even if you are abnormally cold at a certain stretch in the game, Clint gives you another dimension that you can get to the rim even if the outside shots aren't falling. I'm curious if that's something that uh, you've missed as well.
1: Oh uh, no, I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I you know I think James and and uh, Montrez have been pretty good, but Clint and, and James Harden, their their pick and roll chemistry is at a is at a different level, and it was you know that's such an important piece to what the Rockets. Do want to do because it makes defenses have to make a lot of quick decisions and typically they put opposing players on islands because they either have to A respect uh the role, B respect James' ability to drive and finish, or C close out on shooters and they typically can't do all of them simultaneously. And so if the Rockets run that correctly, it's virtually impossible to stop outside of the Rockets just flat out you know, missing their shot. I mean, the San Antonio game was, they just flat-out collapsed down the stretch. Um, The Memphis game, they just couldn't get a shot, and they had many open looks uh, in the second half. After I thought they played exceptionally well against the Grizzlies um, in the first half, they
0: were very patient. They ran their sets, They got their shots. And again, I thought
1: they were a little bit rushed, uh, more so in the second half of that Memphis game. But, man, they had a ton of looks, and they just would have hit a couple of those threes probably come out of that ball game uh, with the win as well and, and again, I mean, teams even the really good teams go through fast stretches throughout the course of you know, a single game a mm. couple of weeks, a month here or there and, and, they, and typically those teams win more than they lose and look, the Spurs are really, really good the Grizzlies are really, really good so the, in and of mm. itself, as disappointing as the situation was that resulted in
0: them losing those games there isn't a whole lot of shame in right. to either of
1: those teams.
0: Yeah, and in regards to the Memphis game, I'm curious, do you buy into any of the home Ryan, road Ryan splits? Because mm. at this point in the year, it's just amazing how much better he seems to shoot away from Toyota Center.
1: Uh, you know, I just think it's just one of those weird things. Now, if he were like a rookie or a second-year player, I think home-road splits speak more volumes mm-hmm. to comfort level with young players because typically with younger players... They play better, much better at home than on the road. But Ryan has been there, done that. He's been in all of these buildings multiple times. I just think it's sort of a, a little bit of a, an outlier, um, if you will. Um, and, you know, he's I think he certainly had some pretty good games at home in the last month relative to the first couple of months. But I think with a guy like Ryan, who is who has been around the league a ton um, and has been in a variety of situations where – You know, again, inexperience doesn't really come into play. I just think it's just um, happenstance that, you know, he has typically shot the ball better uh, on the road um, than he has at
0: home. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I go into that as well because I've looked at his home road splits over the course of his career. They're fine. I think going into this year, uh, he was shooting over 50% in Toyota Center, so it's not like – I know some folks say Toyota Center in depth perception, but there's nothing (laughs) – the old, the old McGrady uh, fallacy yeah. there? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, there's nothing I really see in his history, you know, home road over his career or his history in the Toyota Center that suggests it's anything more than just one of those quirky things that over a half of one individual season, you know, you can pinpoint a half of one season that's going to be like that for almost everybody else. The one exception to that, of course, is James Harden, who seems to have ridiculous statistics across the board for everything. And I know we talked about him earlier in the show, but now that we're kind of closing out, I'm curious if last night to you, I know you remarked on the broadcast, I was actually one of the ones that was still watching you despite the uh, Packers-Cowboys, which I had on my uh, yeah smaller TV. But you pointed out that even though even though it felt like he wasn't really having a huge impact on the game, he still ended up with 22-11-11. And so to me, that was almost one of those where... In a way, it builds his MVP case even more because watching it, it felt like it was probably a you know a B minus C plus game from what you might expect uh, expect from James. Yet somehow he still had this completely ridiculous stat line, and the Rockets win by twenty five points.
1: Yeah, I looked up at like as the third quarter was coming to a close, and I just looked at his stat line as we were going to break, and I was like, oh my gosh, he's like two assists away from a triple double, and you really didn't even. You didn't even realize it. I mean, that, that's how good that's how good um, he is. That's how great he has been yeah. um, this season. I mean, he's putting up significant numbers with what appears to be um, very little effort because he's just on a different level um, than most guys. And, and again, I, I think James has become his maturation as a player this year has as much to do with him becoming an all around leader than it does in his game necessarily evolving more or less. Although I think his game in terms of his court vision and his willingness as a passer has been thrust into another stratosphere because he's been paired with Mike D'Antoni and it's just been a perfect marriage in that regard. But I think James, you know, leadership maturity has been impressive this year because, um, I think he's just as happy to see his teammates put up big numbers. Um, than than him himself, and then he sort of knows and sort of feels if there's times in the game where he needs to go ahead and get his because things aren't going their way, then he can go ahead and get his. And I and I think you see that from the all-time great players in the league that they're able to sort of you know manage their way through games, um, help get their teammates involved because the, the the best of the best always elevate the level of play of those around them, and then when it's time for them to and to, to go ahead and, and take the bull by the horn, they do, and I think that's really what James has done all season, and that's why I think oftentimes, like last night, when he puts up stat lines that most guys in this league only dream of, it's, it just seems so effortless.
0: Yeah, and I think there might be a little bit of fatigue for him because certainly early part of this month – A, it's been a really rough month from a scheduling perspective. ton of games in a short time frame. Also, with Capella out, Beverly and Gordon each missing some time. James has had even a higher load than usual. But the good news, as we said earlier, now Gordon and Beverly are back at least closer to 100%. I don't want to say 100%, but they're back closer. Capella back likely tomorrow in Miami it seems like. So even if James is a little fatigued, at least now he has a lot more help to kind of ease him back in. And then I think after this week, the schedule kind of lightens up after this 5- and seven stretch anyway when I say lightened up I mean from just a total volume oh, yeah, of the games fans, so the, the big road trip coming up outside of that back to back started yeah you, know, you have days off in between all of those games so um, it's a lot of road games in a row but I mean there, there are times
1: yeah. to rest and you know regroup and practice in between so yeah that, that, I actually honestly I'm, I don't mind from my I mean I you have to probably ask the players their opinions but from from my perspective I prefer when the team goes out on longer trips because it just seems like you, when you get out on the road, you sort of settle into a, a rhythm.
0: And if you have sure. multiple games in a row, like five or six, and everybody settles into a rhythm where if you're moving back and forth, going home for a one or two, and then going out on the road for one or two, and then coming back,
1: your, your daily routines are kind of messed yeah. up. You're doing a lot of catch-up on your personal stuff when you come home. But when you just go out for a long stretch like that, I, I you know, that's why I was kind of okay with – Having a lot of road games early, especially those that were spread out with not a lot of back-to-backs, because you know it, it's a good you know chemistry-building experiment. And then again, you get to settle into
0: a rhythm: game, practice, game, practice, and oftentimes, yeah, the course of
1: the season when you're moving back and forth, you just use, that's just not available.
0: Yeah, and I know a lot of the players talked about kind of a bonding experience, that big five-game West Coast trip earlier this year when you had the big wins in Portland, Golden State, finish it off in Denver. A lot of them talked about the bonding experience as well because certainly you just get into a routine. You know, you go to your hotels, you have your practice. And, yeah, it's not like this week where you're on the road for two, then you come home for two, and then, uh, yeah, then you go back out again. Um, The other cool thing about Harden, and this is a little bit of a softball, but – I can't help but think about it with environments like Brooklyn and Miami. I know we can't really judge the DNP rest crowd because there are a lot of guys. 82 games is a lot. But the fact that James never takes a night off, number one, I think it sets a good tone within the Rockets, the fact that those guys you know, try and play at all cost. But secondly... I would think it's just pretty cool for the fans in cities like Brooklyn Miami. Obviously, there's not a lot of positives for those home fans this season to get to see someone like James Harden and not be afraid that, you know what, we bought these tickets, and then he's going to not play.
1: I absolutely agree. And as and, and I say this,
0: I am knocking, I'm knocking right. on some legitimate, real
1: wood here. I mean, James has been incredibly durable uh, throughout the course of his his career. I mean, he's sturdily built um, you know he's not a thin guy, um, but he's thick. He's strong. He's got a he's got a really good base on him, which I think certainly helps keep him very healthy. I think it is admirable um, that he answers the bell every single night. Now, I think there's a I, last night. I'll admit. I mean, I, I when I when I go to NBA games, I want to see the best players play because that's what I'm into. I, I thought it was laughable that they sat. Brooke Lopez. Yeah, it's not like they're going anywhere. Just like I thought, it was completely and totally laughable that when the Kings came into Toyota Center earlier this
0: year, oh, that was terrible. They sent Demarcus
1: Cousins. I mean, the Kings haven't been in the playoffs since Rick Adelman left,
0: right? Yeah. And so, and, and, and they could the make time, it this year, that, yeah.
1: And and, and were, at the time, I think they were only a game out of right. Game. And so, it's a franchise that's in desperate need, desperate, desperate need of making the playoffs. Cousins is in his mid twenties. There's no reason to give a guy like that the night off when you're battling for a much-needed playoff spot um, for your organization, which has just been a mess again since Rick Adelman left. I I don't understand that. I don't understand why they sat um, Brooke Lopez last night either. It's not like... I I realize they've had a little bit of a heavy stretch of games, but still, why would you sit the guy on a night like that? I mean, teams, teams have the right to do what they choose. Now, on the other end of the spectrum... I don't get that. I kind of understand a guy like LeBron taking a game off mm-hmm. here or there because a guy's played into June the last six years and he's gonna be playing into June again and he's won multiple championships and he's been there and done that. So I kinda of get it, even though I do understand the ire of visiting fans who pay a mm-hmm. lot of money in advance thinking they're going to see players like that and they don't show up. But I, I that I can I can live with what the Spurs used to do in Duncan's later years and Parker Ginobili. Okay, I get that because that's an organization and a yeah. team that's been there, done that, and they know they're going to be making a deep run. Um, but I think I think it's admirable that James has he plays every night. Um, look, he, he he's still trying to accomplish things. He's been to the finals once. He's been to the Western Conference Finals again, but he hasn't won a championship. Mm-hmm. So there's still a lot for him to prove uh, individually. And uh, and again, I think it does speak volumes that he is, he's a guy who wants to answer the bell um, every single night. And on top of the fact, I don't think Mike D'Antoni
0: is a guy who believes in that anyway. Sure. Uh, yeah, every time we ask Mike about it, it doesn't seem like, other than Nene, and it's, he's the obvious exception being 34 and as uh, well-traveled. With a history of injuries. Yes, with a history of injuries. That's the one exception. But by and large, no, it's pretty clear that uh, Mike doesn't really believe in that either. Craig, thank you so much for the time. Uh, before I let you go, tell everybody your schedule. I'm assuming your TV Tomorrow in Miami, and then you are you back to radio in Houston and then TV again in Memphis, or what is it?
1: Uh, yeah, uh yes, 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 yes. So, yeah, I got uh, TV again tomorrow, and then, uh, we have. I'm really looking forward to that Milwaukee game. So yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm a big fan of the Great Freak, but yeah, I'll be at home back on the radio, and then we go back on that long, uh, road trip, uh, uh for TV, and then, um, that's basically the, the way it goes outside of any exclusive, um, uh, games that are either on ABC or
0: TNT. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Course, well, I'd
1: be doing those on the radio anyway.
0: Right. So. Yeah, so yeah, you're working either way. It's just a matter of uh, whether it's radio or TV. Craig, yeah. thanks so much for the time, and uh, yeah, I'll talk to you on Wednesday when you get home to uh, Toyota Center, okay?
1: Uh, thanks for having me. As always looking forward to it. Appreciate
0: it. Sure thing. That's Craig Ackerman, voice of the Rockets. You can follow him at CA underscore Rockets on Twitter if you're not already. Thought he had a lot of great insights. Happy to sort of break the story that Capella's going to return tomorrow. And I only said Tuesday or Wednesday. The reason I was wondering about Wednesday is because do you bring a guy uh, back on the front end of a back-to-back or do you want him to kind of ease in? But the truth is, if he's healthy, they put him through the MRI scan. It's been the four weeks. He's obviously chomping at the bit to play. Why not throw him out there, especially because you're only probably going to play him, I would guess, 15 minutes or so to start off with anyway. So you might as well just start easing him back into game shape. And the best way to do that is to have him play in actual basketball games. So anyway, that's the end of what I thought was a pretty positive episode of Locked on Rockets. Happy to have Craig back on the show and even happier, of course, to see Clint Capella back on the basketball floor tomorrow night. For now, it's Monday evening. It's an off day for the Rockets, but they're 32-11 and overall after that win in Brooklyn. And then, yeah, it's going to be a very busy week because they're in Miami tomorrow night, then home for Milwaukee and Golden State. Both of those are national TV games on ESPN Wednesday and Friday nights. And, yeah, if you haven't bought tickets already, I encourage you to look around because it's going to be an electric environment at Toyota Center, and then, of course, you start the long road trip in Memphis on Saturday night. So it's going to be a busy week, but if you stay with me here at Locked on Rockets, we'll have you covered. Again, I'm Ben Dubose of Sports Talk 790. Follow me on Twitter at Ben Dubose. This is Locked on Rockets, your home for daily podcast coverage of the Houston Rockets. Follow us on Twitter at Locked on Rockets. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Audio Boom, Stitcher, Wherever you consume your media, just search for Lockdown Rockets, and you can find this. We're part of the On Podcast Network, daily coverage for all NBA and NFL teams. That includes the Houston Texans, who unfortunately just had their season end on Sunday night in New England. If you want to hear about kind of what went wrong there, as well as previewing the offseason for the Texans and what the hell they do at the quarterback position, just search for On Texans, and my buddy Robert Land will have you covered every day this week as well. For now, I will sign off. I'm Ben Dubose. This is Locked on Rockets. Rockets, of course, were 25-point winners Sunday in Brooklyn, and they're back at it Tuesday night in Miami against the Heat. Talk to you guys then.